0: special guest on Let Me Be Frank today. We're joined by Pierre Ferregu, who is bringing a special Broadway-style musical show about Bernadette of Lourdes here to the United States. The show has been a tremendous success in France, and now he is bringing it here so that we can enjoy it as well. Bishop Caggiano is going to talk to him about the show and about um, beauty and the story of the little girl in France who has really uh, moved the world. So keep your radio right here at 1350 AM or at 103.9 FM, or keep us on the Veritas app on your phone. If you're enjoying Let Me Be Frank on podcast, please make sure you like us and rate us, review us, give us five stars, help us reach more souls. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations of Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I am Steve Lee, and it is my pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano.
1: Good morning, Steve. Good morning, my friend. Uh, You know, I I must tell you, a lot of people have been commenting on our podcast. I've been meeting them at different occasions, and they all speak very highly of you, so I'm getting a little jealous. I must
2: confess. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That that just shows that they don't really know me. (laughs) But thank you. No, not so. Not so.
1: So we have a great guest today.
0: Yes, this is, this is cool. It's, today's guest is so different, I think, from the guests we've had in the past. And so I'm very, very excited to introduce Pierre Faragou. Pierre was born and grew up in France. He lived in Sweden, Poland, and England before settling here in the U.S. 11 years ago and after a career as a top-ranked Wall Street analyst, he started his own research and advisory firm six years ago, and now he serves institutional investors all over the world, providing investment research on the fast-moving world of technology. You might see him regularly on uh, Bloomberg or CNBC commenting on Tesla or AI or things like that. But for our purposes today, um, I mean, you can talk to him about, about AI if you'd like, Excellency, but uh, Pierre is a, an active Catholic, a Knight of Malta, a member of the Lumen Institute, and his faith brought him on a new and recent adventure. So Pierre has assembled a team to bring the theatrical musical Bernadette de Lourdes to North America. This is a show that has been a triumphal success in France, and it's, this, it's what we're going to talk about today. And Pierre lives in Southport with his wife and five kids.
2: And Pierre Ferragou, welcome to Let Me Be Frank. Uh, Steve, excellency. Thanks thanks a lot for for having me on the show. It's a great pleasure. Oh my gosh,
1: I'm I'm delighted that you're here. Now, Pierre, um, the first question I ask all my guests, right, is, and to the extent that you're comfortable sharing this, tell us um, your life of faith. You are certainly active in the church. You love the church. You love the Lord. Was that always the case in your life? Did you grow into it as you got older? And let's start just with some a general sense of who Pierre is.
2: So you want a historic perspective, right? I'm yeah, not, I'm not sure now would be enough. Yeah, yet. whatever you wish. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I I love that question, and thank you for giving me the the opportunity to uh, to answer it. So I grew up in um in a very um classic um catholic family in france i was uh, uh, number four uh, out of five um, five brothers Uh, my parents um, educated me in in the faith. i went to a catholic school Um, and the practice of faith really faded away uh, from my teenage uh, down to my uh, younger um, adult life to the point that uh, when i started my i got married um, and I moved with my wife to Sweden, where I started my career. And after a year, a very a friend of mine, like an older friend of mine, came to visit us. And on Sunday, he asked us, oh, guys, where, where, do we, where do we go to Mass here? And um, I was very afraid to realize I didn't even know where the Catholic Church was in Stockholm. Um, and then we came back to France, and one day I went to, um, to a wedding, um, of, uh, of a relative and uh, a distant relative like in a family where the face was not as present as in mine and I realized I was the only one singing uh, during the, the church um, during mass and uh, and it, it really created like a, a, a massive like, eye-opening for me and I realized that I was letting go things that were so important uh, to my upbringing and, and that I was creating basically behind me a word in which faith uh, was going away. And so my reaction was almost cultural. I was like, I don't want to live in a culture like that where people don't know uh, church songs, don't know what the face is about. And so I came back to the faith uh, really that way. Um, so it was almost like a very, like, you know, uh down-to-earth kind of reaction, mm-hmm. that life without faith is no good, so I don't want it. But that, yeah. that was about it. Um, and then maybe fast forwarding ten years down the line, we we really became very very uh, faithful and uh, practicing uh, a faithful <laughs> practicing uh, family going to mass uh, every Sunday, but very much in this very social you know kind of uh, way, w- without I would say um, a very close relationship uh, with Christ. And at some point, I started feeling that the exact similar void. And probably looking at people around me, and I went on a retreat at Le Barou in France, um, um, uh, a monastery of Benedictine monks who, who sing beautifully, like in, in Gregorian the, okay. uh, the whole liturgy. Um, and then there, really, like I had I had the deep encounter uh, I was looking for, and my faith on a day to day basis didn't really change, but like the the very personal relationship with Christ came back from that moment. And and came back the way it was when I was a child, basically. So Mm -hmm. I sort of closed the circle and I started everything again, back to childhood level, maybe, you know, uh, 15 years ago or something like that. It's
1: amazing though, Pierre, there are so many of us who go through that cycle, that as we're children, we're receptive to the faith that we have this experience of the Lord, and then as we grow older, it's challenged in some way, and then, you know, please God, it's rediscovered in a new way. When it's rediscovered, it's rediscovered with tremendous energy, with passion, right? So now, a lot of what you do, right, besides your professional life, is in service of the mission of the church as a Knight of Malta, member of your parish, and this extraordinary project of bringing the musical play Bernadette to the United States. So now, First question What is this musical presentation of Bernadette? Let's start with that. What is that?
2: Yes. Um, so that, that's a story that um, uh, started in France um, uh, about 10 years ago. Um, Roberto Scioleo, um, uh who is like a, a very successful producer uh, in France and who comes from like who was brought up by his uh, Italian grandmother, has like a very um, very beautiful, very um, uh, very deep, very um, emotional faith. Um, was uh, working on a on a show uh, not very far from Lourdes in the south of France, um, and the show was not doing well financially. Like they were scared that the show may may, may not you know take off, and so he took the whole the crew, like the cast and the, the technical staff, to to Lourdes for a day. And um, none of them were, like, Catholic or um, even um, uh, believers. And he told them about Lourdes, about the place. Uh, he prayed in front of them at the Grotto. And then he he threw as a joke, guys, if, if we get out of this, then our next show will be on Bernadette de Lourdes, right? Oh. And everybody said yes. Everybody <laughs> said yes, you know, a bit like as a as a joke. And then the show ended up, massive success and then Roberto stuck to his words and said now let's let's work on Bernadette de Lourdes. Uh, He went back to he went back to Lourdes and started engaging with uh, uh, the local uh, local church authorities to see how uh, uh, how this could start Um, and like at some point in the project he approached A director he likes a lot, Serge Denoncourt, who's a Canadian from from Quebec. So he has a career in France and in in North America as well. And he offered him to to work on that show show with him. And and Serge Denoncourt's answer was, But I don't believe in God. I I am an atheist. I'm I'm the wrong guy here. And and then Roberto insisted and uh, paid uh, Serge like a flight ticket to Lourdes. And Serge would never refuse a free. Fly a ticket, and it, Serge went to Lourdes and spent forty-eight hours there. And he just read the historic sources, like the the minutes of the the interrogations of uh, uh, the little Bernadette and things like that. And in his words, he fell in love with the little girl, and so he came back to to um, to Roberto and said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to do this show with you." But it's going to be about the girl. I don't want it to be about the Blessed Mother. I don't want it to be about the face or anything. I want it to be about the little girl. Uh, And that's how the show started. And and Roberto really followed followed his inspiration, followed the spirit. And um, it it came together into the piece you saw, which is really uh, all about um, telling the story of the little girl, not not getting into um, something that is, you know... um, uh, for churchgoers, or uh, about the faith per se, but about the, the magical uh, story of this little girl who uh, came from the poorest family of her town. Amongst her brothers and sisters, she was the less capable. She, she was barely going to school, um, and she came back from the from the river with like an unbelievable story. Like she told told, told the police and the church authorities and the civil authorities about having seen something or maybe someone and just from that testimony like the, the miracle of lourdes what lourdes is today five million pilgrims every every year uh happens and and, and the show is really focused on that story you mm-hmm. think so it was well received in france yes play. so in in france the show was first played in lourdes and like the producers were always jo- joking about that like, oh, you, you, you can call us crazy but like a show about Bernadette in Lourdes should be a, a good business. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's it? It's it? Uh, and, uh, and so that's how, um, that's how uh, the show started. Then COVID hit, things became a bit complicated and the show restarted in Paris. And now, Excellency, I can tell you that a show on Bernadette de Lourdes in Paris, it is a challenge because like, Francis uh, tends to be very secular tends to be very antagonized between you know the, the church and believers and the laicists who, who want the church to be out of the mm-hmm. public sphere uh, and so it was it was really like a big bet to um, uh, to bring that show to Paris and it was a phenomenal success. it filled in uh, like a, an arena of 4500 seats uh, six uh, six nights in a row the show will come back to Paris in uh, in June and in the meantime, it is uh, actually um, uh, touring in France, and in every city, the show comes, uh, comes to when it arrives. The show is already sold out. It's being very successful. Um, it is um, very successful with, with a okay. faithful, with a church like uh, local uh, uh, local diocese supports the show, uh, Catholic schools, etc. But the beautiful aspect of it is that. The, like you end up with in a room in which less than half the room is actually practicing Catholic, and so practicing Catholics actually invites their neighbors. Um, people are interested in trade. Like the critics uh, of the show, like um, uh, in the press, are very positive. From the right to the left, from like Catholic to a uh, uh, laicist, um, uh, you know, um, uh, ed- editing rooms. Um, it's really like an event that is getting people together. And it is very successful.
1: Yeah, you know, Pierre. You, when we met a few weeks ago, you also shared the story of a gentleman who has a Jewish background who's also involved with the play. Mm-hmm. Do I remember that? Correctly? Yes. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Tell us
1: about this gentleman. Um, yeah.
2: So that's a very beautiful, um, um, I would say, side uh, side stories of this show is that. When, when came the moment to raise money to to finance the, sh- the first show in 2017-18 uh, Gadel Mallet who is like uh, the equivalent of Seinfeld uh, in France an extremely talented and extremely successful uh, stand-up comedian uh, actually reached out to the production team and said well you know um, I'd like to participate to the to the, to the financing round of, uh, of the show and um, and so the, the team asked, God, but God, you—you're Jewish. You, what's, <laughs> what are you doing here? And then God answered something along the lines of, uh, "Well, you know, the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Lourdes, you pray her, but I speak to her every day." And so the story of God is that he grew up in Marrakech—not um, in Marrakech, in Morocco—I uh, yeah, can't remember in which city, one of the larger um, cities in Morocco uh in a very jewish family in a town in which at the time the jews muslims and catholics were living peacefully together um and so he got as an instruction from his dad you know these buildings in the city where you have like this big tower and and the cross on it you never get you can go wherever you want in the city but you don't get in these buildings and he was of course referring to churches and God was uh, what he was when he was nine. And so he, after his dad told him that, the first thing he did was to get into a church uh, to <laughs> check on it. <laughs> and uh, and, and, um, and uh, in the and in the church, uh, he stood at the feet of a statue of Our Ladies of Lourdes, and he had a very, very strong, very powerful spiritual experience that he kept all his life. And the way he describes it today is that he says, I got the message that she would look over me for my whole life and I felt that way every day since. He made a movie about the story. Yeah, it creates like a very interesting situation because he didn't like uh formally convert to the Catholic faith. But he's maintaining a very very deep very beautiful uh you know uh, uh journey of conversion of uh, of discovery of the faith. Uh so now he's studying uh, uh, at the uh, Le Bernardin in Paris, uh, theology and philosophy. He's a reader of Simon Vey of all the great theologians. Um, he is still very, very close to his uh, Jewish faith and to the, all the, the cultural and social aspects of it as well, and, his, and the family aspects mm-hmm. of it as well for him. So he reminds me of, you know, Cardinal Lustiger. So he's like a beautiful bridge between the Jewish faith and the Catholic faith. And and he's now like a beautiful um, beautiful witness in France. Mm-hmm. He, uh, uh, he actually produced a movie about his story, and uh, he speaks about his faith, about how um, uh, he um, uh, he came. Uh, uh, you know what attracted what attracts him, what fascinates him in the Catholic faith, the fact that the Christian faith is really the only faith that is uh, exclusively centered on love. Uh, and so he's a beautiful witness, and he's part of the show. He has supported it financially very, very generously and very significantly. And he's also part of the success because people in France, everybody in France knows him, and everybody knows right. that this show right. on Bernadette is a show right. in which he's involved. Right.
1: You know, uh, allow me just a sidebar. Uh, I I recently stumbled in, in YouTube on YouTube of a documentary on the progress being made in rebuilding Notre Dame Cathedral. And they showed the clips. Now I guess it's been a year, four years maybe, I forget how long ago it actually burned. They're showing clips of Parisians who were mesmerized, stunned, crying in the streets when they saw Notre Dame on fire. So I find it interesting. In some way it secularized France, right? It's somewhere there's hostility, but there's still, would it be fair to say that there's a deep sense of a connection to the faith um, that has not been lost in France. Is that an exaggeration? You think that's fair to say?
2: No, I, I think you're right. And I was telling you about my my own journey of faith, and you know this realization that life without faith is not right. I think Parisians crying on the street were probably realizing the same thing. Like France without, like. Being like the you know the older daughter of the church, without like the whole history of the church in France is probably nothing. Paris without Notre Dame is nothing. So it is. Uh, I agree with you. It's very beautiful, and um, you can hear French people being very you know downbeat about the country about the situation. I am not. I think I, I have the same read as you do. Excellency. it's uh, there is um, like. The French are yearning for more faith, and you see that even if, like, compared to the scale of the church a hundred years ago, um, it is very small today. It is actually very, very much alive. You you have like the uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, oh, sorry, I'm blanking. Like the community of Emmanuel and uh, other um, you know very um oh yes yes uh, ecclesial communities uh, yes france has many ecclesial communities that are growing exactly Mm -hmm. and and you Mm -hmm. see Mm -hmm. a revival Mm -hmm. uh, both in uh, communities who rediscover uh you know like some uh, older liturgy like gregorian chants and things like that and um uh, the old mass and you have also beautiful communities uh, referring faith on the other end. So, so how did you get involved with this, hmm? Pierre? How did you get involved now with this? Pierre, how
1: did you? How did you? How did the Lord ask you to do this? Uh,
2: so, um, la, I met in, uh, in France at a, at a dinner party uh, a gentleman who had like a, a sweatshirt with um, the, the face of Bernadette in, on, his, uh, on his shoulders, uh, and I knew Bernadette, of course. I, I, I. I I was going to Lourdes, uh, I've been going to Lourdes since I was a child, and um, and so I asked him. That's 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 a nice sweatshirt. Where, where did you find it? I, I might buy the same for my for my children. And he, and he told me about the story. And uh, he, he was involved in uh, in in um, in, the, in the play. And uh, I heard the story. The story of God in particular, uh, I thought it was absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. And and at the end of the conversation, I told him, well, if one day you want to bring the play to the U.S me a call and i'll help you set up a few meetings and make some in introductions locally if you want um and he, he i didn't really you know i i, I didn't even remember i, I told him that and that's what he says <laughs> and then uh, then he, he took my word he called me back we we had a call we discussed it i organized a few uh, a few meetings in new york for um, roberto and Eleonor, the two, the two producers who, who came uh, uh, in December 2022 uh, and after a few days of meetings um, they told me you know you you seem to enjoy yourself very much in these meetings you, you seem to understand what, what it is about and to to have a the passion for for the, for the play for what we're trying to achieve so may, maybe you should uh, you should be responsible for that and I I didn't really see the, their point like that, that that's not my my job, thats not my line of business—and so I, I, I kind of politely uh, remained silent uh, until the point they en- ended up like presenting me officially as the producer of the play in the U.S. And then I felt like, oh, maybe, maybe I should just let let go <laughs> and uh, and uh, and let it happen. And then it has been a bit of a struggle um, because it's difficult, you know, producing a show means you need to convince people and. Uh, get things started and you you know in order to get talents you need money in order to get money you need talents and you don't know where to start it has been like a tough experience and what's for sure is that every time um i felt like i would give up i've always gotten like very very clear signals uh that uh, i was not meant to give up and so so i haven't given up uh, and one of them I always um, like to mention is I was really decided to, to call France and to tell them I would I, I would not keep going and they should find someone else. And then I went to a business meeting in which there was a person in that meeting that I thought sh- should have not been there, but was there. So I just didn't know that person, but I, but, but I was like, oh... Nothing too bad, but I wasn't necessarily pleased that she she was in the room, that he was in the room. Uh, and then the first thing that I did entering that room was to bend over the coffee table to pour myself a coffee. He bent over the table to pour himself a tea. And then his uh, medal of Mary fell in front of my eyes. And and the reason why I was willing to give up at that point in time is because I felt I would never find like the financing support to get started. And this gentleman happened to be decently wealthy. And I was like, I told him, oh, you know, after the meeting, I'd like to catch up with you just 15 minutes. There is a project uh, I would like to tell you about. And I told him about the project actually a few weeks later. And like instantly he said, I'm in. Good. And so um, uh, and so uh, that's, uh, I've been like brought back into the project several times uh, with, with that kind of uh, uh, nice uh, signals or um, right. uh, messages, and right.
1: here I am. So, in a sense, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that you were chosen, and I would think chosen by Our Lady to do this. You, you had not conceived of doing this, but it kind of you were led
2: to this position, right? And and that's a. Exactly- I will. Uh, I will take Bernadette's position, right? Exactly. You say so. <laughs> exactly.
1: See, but that's, exactly, but that's exactly the point. It's beautiful because Bernadette, she discovered our lady. She wasn't intending to do it. It's not a fabrication. She could not possibly have gone through all of the tribulation and the opposition. And we'll talk about that after the break. And, and yet she remained firm because she knew she was telling the truth. But she was chosen, just like you were chosen, which I think is humbling and scary. Isn't it? It's, it's, because this is a big project. You're talking a lot of money
2: to do this, right? <laughs> this, this is very scary. This is, to my scale, yes, a lot of money, uh, and uh, and yes, and it's it, it's. A, I mean, it, it is a very humbling situation to be to be at the at at the starting point of a project for which you have nothing, and and so you when you start thinking about it as, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to figure out this, I have to find the money, I have to find the talent, you you can lose, actually, hope and get into very, very stressful moments very, very easily. And then every time it's the same story, you just sit down, look up, and say, well, here is what we need, and here is what I can do to help. And then it's in your hands. Amen. And then suddenly... I don't say the project works, but I say peace comes back. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely it's tremendous. When we come back from
1: the break, let's talk a little bit about the play itself because it's unique in many ways, right?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, I can relate with how you're feeling about that, Pierre. <laughs> but um, I can't imagine. <laughs> so this is let me be frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano. His Excellency is speaking with Pierre Farrago who is bringing a Broadway-style musical about Bernadette of Lourdes here to the United States. And it all started with a cool sweatshirt. So we'll be right back on the other side of the break.
3: The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org.
0: All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Uh, Bishop Frank Caggiano is speaking with Pierre Fergu, who is bringing a, an, a beautiful and moving musical uh, theater production about Bernadette of Lourdes from France uh-huh. here to the, to the States. Uh-huh. So Excellency, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, well, well
1: f- before we go into the play itself, uh, I just wanna make another observation and I'm curious for your perspective, Pierre, but in a secularized world, the challenge that we have is to find new pathways to engage people in the faith because they will not come directly to us, but we have to go to them And it seems that in the secular world, kind of like the old ancient Roman world of the early church, entertainment, but more importantly, in our our case, plays, films are very much a path that people often walk that can become an avenue for us to present an aspect of faith that could grab their heart, kind of entice them, intrigue them, to perhaps ask questions and maybe begin to take a step forward in faith. So, talk to me about that. Is, it, is this play fall into that, do you think, into this trend of, of evangelizing in a whole new way?
2: Yes, I think um, this is really the reason why uh, I admit in it. Um, uh, This and the encouragement of all these anecdotes uh, uh, along um, uh, along the way, of course. You know, I always think about you're describing it as something new. It's new for our time, but it's n- not new in absolute. Like in the Middle Age in Europe, yeah. culture was mostly for like, uh, the vast majority of people, painting glasses in the cathedral and mysteries being played in front of the cathedral. And so, c- like, la- the face, the beauty of what the face has to bring, has always been <laughs> within the culture, um, was always within the culture in, this, uh, in these times. And, and, and when you look at the tainted glasses of a, of a cathedral, the tainted windows of a, of a cathedral, what you see is that it's all about telling stories. It's like the stories of the Bible, etc. And so we just need to bring back our stories um, into the culture. And we need to very much follow the lead of Bernadette in the way we do that. We don't want to become proselyte. We just want to bring the stories and tell the stories and let people let the stories touch the people and let people have their own path toward the faith, but just stop at telling the stories. And so the magical aspect of this uh, musical about the life of Bernadette is that it is exactly what it's doing. It is an atheist who wrote, I mean, who directed the play. He didn't write it because he took only like the historic dialogues. Everything in the play is historically extremely, extremely accurate like, to, to the world. Uh, but he directed the play as an atheist, and he only told the story. And it's beautiful to talk about it with him and to, to, to talk with him about his experience. He, he has these issues with God. He's, he's like in a difficult position towards uh, the faith. But he went into this work of telling the story of Bernadette because the story of Bernadette touched him, right. and he did that with a producer who is very faithful. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful place where people get back together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there's a parallel. You made a, a, a very insightful observation about the parallel between the Middle Ages and our own age, and I'm going to and inf- I'm going to put it this way: um, illiteracy is what is common between the two, insofar as in the Middle Ages, the vast majority of believers could not read or write. And therefore, they learned the faith, just as you said, through the path of beauty. And cathedrals, basilicas were living catechisms. I've said this many times on the podcast. People came in and experienced the faith, then came to understand the faith, right? Subsequently, hearing it preached, right? So the same is true here. Now, in our age, please God, everyone can read and write, but they're still not knowledgeable of the faith. So we need to create pathways that entice them, track their heart, so that they could begin to ask the question. So you're right. It's not, in a sense, it's not new at all. It's, It's very similar. But what is new is that we have the opportunity now to engage people, particularly in the secular world. So they don't need to come to the cathedral anymore. We could go to Broadway. We could go to wherever it's gonna go. And the most random people can actually be touched by what's going on. It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing moment. So now tell me, why a play and not a film? Why was the choice made to make a play? Was there any talk about that?
2: Um so la, what I can tell you why I feel very excited and I feel like I have a a role to to play specifically in the story for like a piece of live entertainment. Um, I think all what you've described is already happening um, in full swing um, in the movie industry, in in like the the, the TV industry. You see like the success of The the Chosen, uh, The Sound of Freedom, uh, the the upcoming movie on Mother Carbini. Um, like Angel Studio has actually already developed a fantastic alternative uh, to Hollywood. And this alternative is about being able to raise money independently from like the gatekeepers of Hollywood, being able to produce with talents who are independent from the talent gatekeepers of Hollywood, and then being able to distribute this, this content independently from the distribution channels of Hollywood. Now, in the entertainment, in the live entertainment business, that doesn't exist yet. And I think, and it's a tougher job, you know, to pull together a play than to pull together a movie. It's right. riskier. It's a, it's, it's a, especially for investors. It's like you need to be patient. You're taking big uh, operational mm-hmm. risks, but we need to do the same. We need to have ways to bring to live entertainment uh, that type of um, uh, our beautiful stories and that type of production, because the key difference is that. Screen content comes to your house, gets onto your TV. It's a fantastic win. Your children are going to watch it with you. But you're not going to invite your neighbors to watch TV with you. Whereas you you are going to invite your neighbors to go to the theater. And that's really what gets me really passionate about it. Like, what if we could, with Bernadette, create what happens around Angel Studio, but in theaters, so that people get together. And when you see how successful this is in France, um, like in the context of the world of today, the post-COVID world, where people are still trying to find their way to get out of their home, to stop ordering food, you know, from their smartphone and going into a restaurant instead, etc., uh, I think this is a moment to do it. Yeah, it's it's well said. Well said, my friend.
1: It's encounter and accompaniment together because you're encountering a moment of grace through Bernadette Saint Bernadette but you're also going with others so there's an accompaniment rather than just being on your own it yeah it, it makes tremendous sense so now for those who are listening to us on the podcast you were kind enough to give me a link to a a, a private video that actually was filmed in um in one of the the shows right so i was in, able in Lord, to see yeah. it again Lord and of course, the, 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 the play is in French, and there are subtitles in English, so I could follow, because I don't speak French, so I could follow along with the English. And it's, it's I found it, it, it was quite startling to me on a number of levels. So I'm going to give you my impression, and then I want you to react. First and foremost, I think it is beautifully done. Now, what I mean by beautiful is that it's not ostentatious, it's not elaborate, but it is very focused in on the person of St. Bernadette. And it's beautifully done. The costumes are beautiful. And to the period, I'm imagining. The the detail on them, like the one priest, it was, it's amazing. And the bishop, of course, I took special interest in the bishop. <laughs> and uh, so I would say, first and foremost, the fact that there was attention to detail is inescapable. Is that, that not the case?
2: Yes, it is. Uh, like, the so, so the work on the, on, on the show is extremely historic and it's carried out by very, 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 very competent uh, individuals, um, Lem, uh, the director first, Jean-Anoncourt. Okay. Uh, and so all the show is very, very historic in the dialogue. So, it, for instance, if there is a dialogue you don't really like, like, too bad. That's what she really said. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, the the songs of course it's different, it's like it's it's pop music and it's a a, a different level, then for the costumes for instance, um, each costume costs like $30,000 to make because uh, it has to go to South America to find fabrics that are made there the way they were made in in France in the 19th century and that we we don't know how to to make them anymore there is a lot of work uh like the the, uh, the staging is very mm-hmm. uh, um uh is very um uh is, is also a lot of work to create la- uh, the atmosphere uh, the atmosphere of the play and then it's a very big production it's like you have 22 artists on uh 22 artists on uh, uh on stage so that's that's the equivalent of a large scale broadway mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. uh and, and and of course it's um uh, it's a lot of work to mm-hmm. get uh, all that together yeah i think
1: um and for those who will go, and I, I please God, everyone who's listening, when it comes to the United States, you will make it your business to go, because I think it would be a tremendous moment of, of, of grace for whoever does go. The, the focus is squarely on Bernadette, like you said, and the testimony of a young woman who insists, and also has a beautiful voice, I mean, magnificent voice, uh, who insists that she's telling the truth and the conviction of her heart that would resonate even with people who don't believe that that yes. human integrity of telling the truth when she had that one gentleman that she'd had the dialogue with i, I forget the name. Is he the procurator who kept interrogating the commissioner her, yes. the commissioner right who was um a tortured soul it, it's just it, and for a young person to evangelize young people in conviction it's it's it was quite astonishing. And I don't want to say what I should not say because I don't want to spoil those who are going to come. Um, But the depiction, how the appearances are depicted is caught me by surprise, I must confess. So I'll leave that hiding okay. for our listeners that they have to go and look themselves and see how the appearances
2: are depicted. Yeah, so that, that's a very interesting. Uh, that, that, that's a very interesting comment. So on on the character of Bernadette herself, yes. So she mainly interacts with her dad and and, uh, and her mum, with like a police officer and with her local priest. Mm-hmm. And these relationships are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful in, in, in the in, in the actual story of uh, of Bernadette, and, and beautifully rendered mm-hmm. in the in the show. And for instance, the, the actor in France playing uh, Bernadette's dad receives everyday letters from people who saw the show and that's a girl or that's a dad writing to him to tell them how the show influenced the dad to daughter relationship that, that was broken, that was in a difficult place. And all this understanding of what it is Um, is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so this little girl, she resonates with every girl today Mm -hmm. because she has a story to tell. She has something on which she needs um, to be be trusted. And then the rumor is working against her. So it's like being bullied on Instagram today. Her parents Mm -hmm. are embarrassed with the story she has to tell. Mm -hmm. And then the police, the civil authorities... And the church are embarrassed, and the only thing she does is to stick to the truth, to 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 feel this very very strong like responsibility of sticking to the truth and saying things like, "I'll never get into trouble because I've always only told the truth." You know, she said that. This this is a historic. This is in the recordings of the of the interrogation. You know, this is what we learn in finance. You know, you know the best way to to uh, always be at ease in an interview is to tell the truth because if you tell the truth, you'll have nothing to remember but the truth. And it's like le- all these values are so um, uh, so powerful and so real in in this uh, right. in this little character. Right. That's really what I like about the show. You know, an honor. Uh, and yes, and uh, I am very um, very interested by uh, by your comments about how the. Uh, the Blessed Mother is not represented, I would say. Uh, Oh, you told the secret. What? No, no, no. no. no, (laughs) I'm going to tell our audience that you're missing out on something that you, unfortunately, only saw on screen a very rough recording of the show. Is it? Uh, And so... You'll have to come and see the show live, and you'll see that the Blessed Mother will appear to you in a different way. Yeah. Uh, um, and, um, so, so there is an element uh, related to the mm-hmm. to the uh, to the screen experience here that the, the live experience mm-hmm. makes. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the mm-hmm. uh, the show live; it's very very different. Right. You know. And but still, it's reflecting this idea that the choice. Was made to focus the show on Bernadette, and to leave to Bernadette what belongs to Bernadette, and the apparitions belong to Bernadette. Exactly. It's very important. Exactly. Well, see, that's exactly my takeaway. Exactly.
1: <clears throat> we, you, we go to the play experiencing it as someone who um, would, even if we were physically there during the during the appearances, would have seen we see what we would have seen, what we would have seen, not what Bernadette would have seen, we would have seen being called to faith. Exactly. Exactly. So
2: it's historically accurate. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And and there is another element that is very badly rendered in the video you saw, which is that during the apparition, Mm -hmm. what does Bernadette do? She crosses herself. She does the sign of the Mm -hmm. cross. And the sign of the crush she does is uh, like it's moving, really moving. It's beautiful, yes. beautifully acted. Yes, and this is exactly the way you describe it. This is: had you been in Lourdes in the first half of the 19th century, yes, you would have experienced that. The only thing that was left for you was the little girl. Everything else yes, was up to for you to decide what you make of it. But the only fact, the only testimony is the little girl. And this is all the climax of the of the story of the show, which is the the story about a, a town that is listening to a little girl and responding her to her, we need a proof, and who suddenly realizes the proof is actually her. And they will never get more than her, but she is a lot. And she eventually convinces her dad, her priest, and leaves and I won't spoil the show too much about the police officer, but and leaves the police officer where you saw him. At point, but you know what,
1: Pierre? I want to. Uh, there is there is a very beautiful moment in the play, and I believe, and it's a song that's sung when the father confronts the commissioner, and he speaks about the beauty. Well, what I took away from it is it's the dignity that even poverty yeah. doesn't take away. And, exactly. Right, and, and I thought that was a beautiful exchange because the backdrop of this is for us to remember that in, in almost all the apparitions of Our Lady, wherever she has, she has always chosen the poor and she's always chosen the young to appear to. So you yes. think of Juan Diego, for example. So therefore, they are the ones most unlikely to be believed. And yet they are the ones who become, as you say, the witnesses of presence and bring people to faith. So they become the instrument. So poverty is, in our world, is something that is seen as um, almost dishonorable. And while it should not exist, everyone should have the basic needs. But poverty itself is not, it does not rob people of their dignity. In fact, it can enhance it simply because their reliance on god is much clearer and those of us who have more get sidetracked along the way
2: so i thought that was a beautiful exchange between the two mm-hmm. yes and i'm so glad to hear you say that uh, excellency because this song is the first song we adapted to french uh, to to english sorry because it's it's a whole work to adapt a song you can't yes. just translate it. you have to rewrite it so we have an extremely talented lyricist, lyricist um, in London, Barry Blue, uh, who fell in love with um, uh, with the play and who is going to adapt the song. And the first song he adapted is this one to English, and it's perfectly rendered. So I'll make sure to... We have a very raw recording of him singing uh, almost a cappella, so, the, the first draft of the song. I'll send it to you so that you can get a sense for it and listen to it. Yeah, and, uh, oh, I, I would uh, love it. In, yeah. in your, Uh, in your language, but I agree with you. It's it's a beautiful moment in the play. Mm -hmm. And the place of the poor in the play and in the life of Bernadette. So she's the poorest in the town. Okay? Her dad is the poorest. He went to prison because he was uh, suspected to have stolen bread or flour. And this is is where we were. What does Bernadette say after the 17th apparition? at which 10000 people showed up in the mountain in a, in a very small town in the mountain and when a lot of people offered uh, a lot of money to come to paris to participate to events she said oh no i don't i want to stay poor i want to stay poor i want to remain poor she said that and she said and i like to serve the six so i will go to the sisters of never to and enter the convent in, in Nevers. this is historic she said that it's not like in, it's not like a nice musical story this is what the little girl um, she was uh, by the time maybe 16 said, and she entered the convent and spent the rest of her yeah. short life okay. serving the poor And the sick. So she wanted to remain poor and she wanted to serve the sick. So, of course, Mm -hmm. um, this is Mm -hmm. incredibly beautiful. And it touches everybody. And there is a very interesting uh, testimony I want to share with you. The actor who plays the priest, who is so fantastic in the role, he doesn't believe in God. Really? Yes. And he came to Lourdes. And you know what struck him in Lourdes? He was like, but why are these people here? Why are these people taking time and traveling for everywhere in the world to take people who are anyway about to die to Lourdes? And why do they all look so happy? In this cast of 22, um, it's, it's a very secretive, it's a taboo topic. But there are paths of conversions, and some of them have already gotten to very significant steps. But we've decided not to mention it, not to talk, not to be specific about it. But remember, the the whole crew did not believe, was not practicing when they started. But that's not where the crew uh, will end, for sure power
1: of grace so so pierre i was under the assumption now oh, so i'm glad you, you said that i was under the assumption that what the play comes to the united states it would be in french but actually it's going to be in english or it will be both.
2: of course it will be in english of course oh yes of course we it's going to be completely adapted to english uh-huh. and to uh, it's also going to be slightly americanized so that like the you know the typical codes um, uh, that you see in a play um, uh, in the US are also uh, easily uh, uh, found, found in the play. So there is a work of adaptation mm-hmm. we are going through at the moment. Yes.
1: Oh, I didn't realize. Oh that's, oh, that's tremendous because for young people it would be much more accessible.
2: I was wondering about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's going to be very very accessible. Yeah. That's uh, in France we typically do matinees for the show where. Um, school children fill in, fill in the theater, and they, they go yeah. with their class yeah. uh, classmates, yeah. their, their, their yeah. teachers, and that's yeah. very important. And it's, it really resonates yeah. with that public very, very, very well. I must I must share with
1: you, and again, this has to do with the father, because the relationship between the father and Bernadette is very moving. As you said, it's very beautiful. Um, the one item that he is wearing that when I saw it struck me, like it were his shoes. And how they epitomize his poverty. Yes. And again, we'll we'll leave them not described so when people come, they'll say, Well what's Kejiano talking about with these shoes? Let them but it, it just struck me
2: of how how poignant it was just to yes. to prove who he was. And and, and and the costume of the dad is particularly beautiful. So there are the shoes. Is it? That were the shoes everybody of his social status would wear in France in the 19th century. That wasn't so long ago, you know. That right. was like the time of our great-grandfathers. Yes, sir. And what did you make of the dignity of his vestments? Yes, sir. You could see how poor he was, but at the same time how being poor at the time was much... Much more filled with dignity <laughs> than we can see poor people yes, today. Okay. That how important it was to have like a proper jacket, even if the jacket was okay. like um, uh, in, in, in very bad shape. And so, I, that's the costume I prefer of the whole uh, of the whole play because it really communicates the true harried poverty of the man okay. and his dignity extremely well. Right. One other thing too, this could be totally incidental,
1: and I may be reading too much into it because I sometimes do that, but the priest who has fascinated me, and again, has a magnificent voice. It's interesting that if I recall correctly, the first time he appears in the early appearances, he's in his cassock without a collar. At the end of the play, he's in his cassock with his collar. Yes. And I wonder the contrast, just to wonder about the contrast yes
2: okay. and that's that's typically a part of the play that is left to your own uh, appreciation and, uh, and uh, interpretation but it's it, it's a very it's a detail that I noticed as well and that I think is very well uh, uh, communicates very well yes. Uh, yes. and and you know it speaks to you Bishop uh, and I think it speaks to like even without noticing there is an element of change in the behavior of, of the priest even in, in his voice the way he sings between the beginning and the end the character is beautiful yes
1: so for those who are listening when the play does come it is an absolute imperative that whoever could should come because it is it in many ways it's a living parable it's an experience that continues because now some of these observations that i'm making is i i I watched the video uh, almost a week ago and it kind of it, it it is like a parable that there are levels of meaning that continue to evolve over time in your mind, in your heart. So
2: I'm delighted you said yes, Pierre, to do this. <laughs> no, no. I, am, uh, I, 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 I am still scared of having said yes, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yes. No. So maybe let me... Let me tell you a bit bit about how the show is going to the U.S. I'm sorry, I realize I never clarified the fact that the show is being first adapted to English. Um, So we are going to remain extremely faithful to history, uh, but the songs, um, the directing, everything is going to be reworked and tuned for the the U.S. market, the North American market. The show um, is going to be uh, showcased at the Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis, this um this summer in july um during um, uh, a vigil um everybody will get together in the lucas oil stadium it's going to be 65,000 faithful um uh, like a, a rosary is going to be prayed and after the rosary like a shortened version of the show is going to be presented with the english songs the english uh, an english cast and the beautiful um, uh, uh, actress, like the little uh, Emma, who plays Bernadette, coming from France and who will be playing Bernadette for the, for the US in English. And so she's just getting into like accelerated uh, English uh, classes to, uh, to get there. Uh, and then after that, the show is going to be um, premiered uh, in Boston at the Philibert Theatre in uh, September 2025 and then it will tour the country. And Rent. as you said bishop, we really want everybody to come and see the show. First of all because we have to make it work, and most importantly, much more importantly, because it is a show that will be an opportunity to get together, to invite your neighbors yes. to get yes. Like can you imagine a show where the producer is a faithful Catholic and the director is like a convinced atheist. And these people work together and talk together and share their emotions together. And not on a random story, but on the story of the Little Bear of Lord. It's really a place to to get together and it's uh, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Well, we pray for its
1: tremendous success. Tremendous.
0: So we're gonna. I'm gonna jump in. Uh, we're running long. We're gonna take one quick break, and then we'll be back with a listener question. Um, this is let me be frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back.
3: Hey, this is Matt Spurzazza from the Tangent. Each week on
2: The Tangent, my co-host, Father Sam Kachuba, and I go on tangents to show how intertwined the Catholic faith and our culture really are. With guests like Scott Hahn, Dr. Greg Pitaro, Kristalina Evert, and so many more, The Tangent is always entertaining and informative. Check us out on Fridays at 1230 on 103.9 FM, 1350 AM, anytime on the Veritas app, or wherever you get your podcasts. God bless.
0: Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Our right, Excellency, here is uh, this week's listener question. It says, um, I was brought up uh, in a Catholic family. Eventually, unfortunately, my parents ended up divorcing each other, and they both remarried without an annulment. A priest told them that they ought to get an annulment and go to confession. They refused to do both. My mom receives communion every week. It looks like all I can do is pray for them. Are they in trouble salvation-wise? Thanks for hearing my question. God bless.
1: Mm -hmm. But it's a very poignant question, one that many, many families uh, are facing. Mm -hmm. Um, The bottom line is this. Um, The person who wrote the question has done everything he or she could do to lead, Uh, her parents, let's say if it's a woman, her parents, to the truth. And there's not much more she can do. I think in the end, to pray for them that they will find their way back is extremely important. The fact that the mother is receiving communion in this irregular state is spiritually very dangerous for her because it's placing her in a situation where she is not living in grace and yet still receiving the body and blood of the Lord. When it comes to salvation, that is in the hands of God, comment. No one can speak to that question. But prayer is the greatest mover of hearts. And that's what I would suggest she keeps pressing. Yes,
0: that is strong yep. action and it's effective. If you have a question okay. for Bishop Frank, send it in on social media or you can email questions at VeritasCatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And a grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring, let me be frank, to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Thank you, Pierre Faragou, for joining us. Where can people keep updated as to the status of, of Bernadette coming to the States?
2: um thanks steve so there is a, sit- uh, a website uh for the moment the website is uh only about the show um the show in france but there is an english and a and a french version of the website it's bernadette Delours, uh, dot fr. um so for for the french there will be like a dot com version of the website uh, very soon you can reach out to me um my email address is pierre p-i-e-r-r-e uh, at ferragu my last name f as in frank dot Um if you want to be added on uh, on our mailing um, uh, mailing list um, and of course um, we um, dioceses um, of uh, places where the show will come uh, will always be uh, uh, invited to um, to participate to support and to um, uh, and, and to be part of the adventure so your diocese is going to be the place where you'll have also the latest uh uh, information on the on the adventure
1: absolutely absolutely pierre thank you for being with with us and thank you for saying yes to this project you it will it will
2: transform many many lives it will thank you excellency and thank you steve for uh having me
0: thank you excellency before we go would you please give us your blessing
1: of course in the name of the father the and of the holy spirit amen Together we pray, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, my friend. Thank you, Pierre. God bless. Steve, I'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks.